Section 18 of The Lives of the Queens of England, Volume 9, by Agnes and Elizabeth Strickland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mary Beatrice of Modena, Chapter 5, Part 4. Mary Beatrice is said to have looked back with streaming eyes towards the royal house where her beloved consort remained, lonely and surrounded with perils, and that she vainly endeavored to trace out the lights of Whitehall among those that were reflected from the opposite shore along the dark rolling river. The historians of that period declare that the queen remained an hour under the walls of the old church with her babe waiting for the coach, which through some misfortune never came and that a hackney-coach was at last procured with difficulty this was not the case for st victor found the coach and six already at the inn which was within sight of the river the delay therefore must have been comparatively brief but when time is measured by the exigency of circumstances minutes are lengthened into hours the haste and agitation in which st victor appeared when he came to inquire after the coach combined with his foreign accent and idiom excited observation meantime in the inn-yard where a man with a lantern was on the watch and when he saw the coach and six ready to start ran out to reconnoitre and made directly towards the spot where the queen was standing i went says st victor with all speed on the other side of the way fearing that he would recognize the party on the bank when i saw that he was actually approaching them i made as if i wished to pass him and put myself full in his path so that we came in contact with each other fell and rolled in the mud together we made mutual apologies for the accident he went back without his light which was extinguished by the fall to dry himself and i hastened to the carriage which was now near and joined her majesty who got into the coach as before the page was to have returned not having been entrusted with the secret but having recognized the queen his mistress he wished to follow her as we left the town we encountered various of the guards one of them said come see there is certainly a coach full of papists but god willed it so that they changed their purpose for no one came near us we had scarcely gone three miles when we were overtaken by seer leyburn one of the queen's equerries on horseback he had brought another horse and boots for me which the king had with inexpressible goodness sent to enable me to perform my journey i descended from the carriage put on my boots and mounted my horse in evil plight what with my fall my wet clothes and the wind which never ceased we took the way to gravesend distant from london twenty miles there we found three irish captains whom the king had sent the same day we departed to serve in the yacht these officers finding the queen and prince slower than they expected advanced as they had been ordered to meet them having provided themselves with a little boat which was close by the shore her majesty and her attendants left the coach and stepping on a small point of land entered the boat and was soon rowed to the yacht which lay at gravesend waiting for her the master whose name was gray had not the slightest suspicion of the rank of his royal passenger who found a group of her faithful servants on the deck looking anxiously out for her and the prince mary beatrice was certainly more fortunate in her choice of friends than her lord for there were no instances of treachery or ingratitude in her household all her ladies loved her and were ready to share her adversity and many from whom she required not such proofs of attachment followed her into exile her high standard of moral rectitude had probably deterred her 
from lavishing her favors and confidence on worthless flatterers like the vipers king james had fostered the true-hearted little company in the yacht who had prepared themselves to attend their royal mistress and her babe to france were a chosen few to whom the secret of her departure had been confided namely the lord and lady powis the countess of almond signora pellegrina Torini, bedchamber woman and lady strickland of sizer sub-governess of the prince of wales there were also pere giverlay her majesty's confessor sir william walgrave her physician lord and lady o'brien clare the marquess montecuculli and a page named francois besides the page ducens who had insisted on following her from lambeth lady strickland and signora Torini had started from whitehall after the departure of their royal mistress and performed their journey with so much speed that they reached gravesend before her most probably they went down the thames pleasant as it was for the fugitive queen to recognize so many familiar faces and happy as they were to see her majesty and the prince safe and well after the perils of the preceding night no greetings passed beyond the silent interchange of glances and even in these due caution was observed the queen was dressed to personate an italian washerwoman a character not quite in keeping with her graceful and dignified figure and regal style of beauty she carried the little prince under her arm curiously packed up to represent a bundle of linen fortunately the bundle did not betray the deception by crying it was remarkable observed st victor that this tender infant of six months old who was so delicate and lively never opened his mouth to cry or utter the slightest complaint the royal parents both insinuate that there was something very like a miracle in the discreet behaviour of their boy on this occasion but doubtless he had been well dosed with anodynes the wind being fair for france the sails were hoisted as soon as her majesty and her little company came on board and the yacht got out to sea but the wind increasing to a violent gale the captain was compelled to come to anchor off le dune to avoid the danger of being driven on the coast of france with which the bark was threatened the queen was always ill at sea and in consequence of the roughness of the passage and the unwanted inconveniences to which she was exposed on this occasion she was worse than usual hitherto she had performed her voyages in one or other of the royal yachts which were properly appointed with every luxury which the gallantry and nautical experience of the sailor prince her husband could devise for her comfort and he had always been at her side to encourage and support her the case was far different now the yacht in which the fugitive queen and her royal infant had embarked bore no resemblance in any respect to the gilded toys which james had built and named in the pride of his heart after his three beloved daughters mary anne and isabella names now connected with the most painful associations ten days before when the king wrote his last autograph commands to pepys order the anne and isabella yachts to fall down to Erith to-morrow j r it was evidently for the purpose of sending the queen and the prince properly attended to france in one or other of those vessels the intention was abandoned in consequence of the channel being full of dutch ships of war and he considered it more likely for a small sailing bark to pass unquestioned than one of his royal yachts mary beatrice directly she came on board captain gray's yacht had the better to escape observation descended into the hold with her babe and his wet nurse madame labadie the other happening to know the captain kept him in talk 
till her majesty was safely below she was followed by her two faithful countrywomen lady almondi and pellegrina torini the place was close and stifling and when the gale rose and the little bark began to pitch and toss the queen the nurse and lady almondi were attacked with violent sea-sickness altogether in a manner that appears to have banished all ceremony they were in such a confined space that the indisposition of her fellow-sufferers was attended with very disagreeable consequences to her majesty this yacht which appears to have been only a common passage packet was by no means suited for the accommodation of delicate court ladies as her majesty had taken upon herself to personate a foreign washerwoman no attention was bestowed on her comforts by the functionaries such as they were who superintended the arrangement for the female passengers it was with great difficulty that pellegrina torini succeeded at last in obtaining a coarse earthenware basin for her majesty's use she made the others withdraw to a respectful distance then throwing herself at the feet of her royal mistress supported her in her arms during her sufferings mary beatrice told the nuns of chalot that she made nine sea voyages and that this was the worst of all it was said she a very doleful voyage and i wonder still that i lived through it i had been compelled to leave the king my husband without knowing what would become of him and i feared to fall into the hands of our foes king james had charged the count de lozun to shoot the captain dead if he betrayed any intention of putting the queen and the prince into the hands of the dutch lazoon in consequence stationed himself by the master of the vessel with the full determination to throw him overboard in case of treachery but as the master suspected not the quality of his passengers he conducted himself the same as if they had been ordinary persons and steered his course safely through a fleet of fifty dutch ships of war not one of which questioned this little bark and thus protected as it were by heaven notwithstanding the roughness of the passage and the perils of the voyage the fugitive queen and her infant son landed safely at calais on tuesday december eleventh at nine in the morning the little prince was quite well and merry of cheer he had behaved like the son of a sailor he was almost the only passenger on board who had not suffered from sea-sickness and he had not cried once from the moment he was taken out of his cradle at whitehall till after his arrival at calais sixteen years before mary of modena had embarked in almost regal pomp at calais in the royal catherine yacht a virgin bride with her mother and a splendid retinue of italian french and english nobles all emulous to do her honour now she landed at the same port a forlorn fugitive wearing a peasant's humble dress with her royal infant in her arms to seek a refuge from the storm that had driven her from a throne but was she more pitiable as the wife of the man she loved and clasping the babe whom they both called the dearest gift of heaven to her fond bosom than when she sailed for an unknown land like a victim adorned for a sacrifice from which her soul revolted then all was gloom and despair in her young heart and she wept as one for whom life had no charms now her tears flowed chiefly because she was separated from that husband whose name had filled the reluctant bride of fifteen with dismay the reverse in her fortunes as a princess was not more remarkable than the mutations which had taken place in her feelings as a woman Monsieur Charot, the governor of Calais, was desirous of receiving Mary Beatrice with the honours due a queen of Great Britain, 
but she expressed her determination of preserving a strict incognito and withdrew to a private house where she wished to remain perfectly quiet till the arrival of her beloved husband whom she expected to follow her in a few hours she had sent st victor back from gravesend to apprise king james of her embarkation and now wrote the following pathetic appeal for sympathy and protection to her old friend louis the fourteenth sire a poor fugitive queen bathed in tears has exposed herself to the utmost perils of the sea in her distress to seek for consolation and an asylum from the greatest monarch in the world her evil fortune procures her a happiness of which the greatest nations in the world are ambitious her need of it diminishes not that feeling since she makes it her choice and it is a mark of the greatness of her esteem that she wishes to confide to him that which is most precious to her the person of the prince of wales her son he is as yet too young to unite with her in the grateful acknowledgments that fill my heart i feel with peculiar pleasure in the midst of my griefs that i am now under your protection in great affection i am sir your very affectionate servant and sister the queen of england the agitation in which mary beatrice wrote this letter may be traced in the sudden transition from the simple and touching description of her own desolate condition to laboured attempts at compliments which her italian idiom renders obscure and hyperbolical and the reader will perceive that she begins in the third person and ends unconsciously in the first the count de lazun who had been for many years under the cloud of the royal displeasure had previously written by an express to louis the fourteenth the particulars of his chivalrous achievement stating that king james had enjoined him to place his queen and son in his majesty's own hands but that he could not have that honour not being permitted to enter his presence louis wrote a letter to him with his own hand inviting him to return to court i was informed yesterday morning writes louis to barillon december fourteenth by a letter from the count de lazun that the queen of england had happily arrived at calais after escaping great dangers and i immediately ordered monsieur de beringen my first equerry to set off with my carriages and the officers of my household to attend that princess and the prince of wales on their journey and to render them all due honours in all places on their route you will inform the king of england of what i have written to you before this cheering intimation reached king james he had addressed the following letter in behalf of his fugitive queen and son to his royal cousin of france sir and my brother as i hope that the queen my wife and my son have last week landed in one of your ports i hope you will do me the favour of protecting them unless i have been unfortunately stopped by the way i should have been with you to ask the same for myself as well as for them your ambassador will give you an account of the bad state of my affairs and assure you also that i have done nothing contrary to the friendship that subsists between us i am very sincerely sir my brother your good brother james r at whitehall this december twenty seventh or nineteenth of december sixteen eighty eight long however before this letter was penned in england much less received in france mary beatrice had endured agonies of suspense and apprehension from her uncertainty as to the fate of her royal husband by one courier it was reported that he had landed at brest by another at boulogne then that he had been arrested in england but the most alarming rumour of all was that the vessel in which he had embarked to follow her 
according to his promise had foundered in a terrible storm at sea and his majesty with all on board had perished after two days of intense anxiety had worn away mary beatrice determined to go on to boulogne having some reason to suppose that she would receive more certain intelligence there than could be expected at calais since dover had declared for the prince of orange End of section 18